This is Still Rowing, a High Five Live podcast, where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in Jesus Christ and His restored church. At the age of 17, Carmen was chosen by Simon Cowell to be a finalist on Fox's hit TV show, American Idol. She made it to the final six before being eliminated. Carmen has appeared on dozens of talk and entertainment shows and completed two nationwide tours. She has written two books, Staying in Tune and You Are More, both sold at Deseret Bookstores, as well as her talk on CD, Who's Your Idol? Carmen wrote the song, I Am Divine, for the new Young Women's Value CD, Live What You Know. Carmen wrote a weekly entertainment blog and column for the Desert News for 10 years. She is a featured singer and entertainer with Jumping Turtle Conferences, LLC, with Hank Smith, John Bytheway, and Meg Johnson, and is currently the host of a new podcast called Doing Good, which can be heard on the Our Turtle House app. Carmen is married to Brad Herbert, son of Utah Governor Gary Herbert, and they have four boys called the Killer Bees and one giant Bernadoodle dog named Honey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Still Rowing, a High Five Live podcast. I am glad to have you with us. Well, my American Idol fangirl heart is absolutely bursting to have our guest Carmen Rasmussen Herbert with us today. Carmen, thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me, Kim. Now I was talking to my husband and I was telling him I'm having an American Idol contestant on my podcast. And he's like, what, you know, his family, they weren't into it, but my family. And I swear everyone around us was really into American Idol, especially your season, the second season. And I told him, I said, I still know the number to call to vote. Oh my gosh. Six, four, three, six, five, seven, zero. (laughs) And then whatever number I was. Yep. (laughs) right so I just was like I my family we were diehards and nothing can like I love that feeling of you're on a snack break because it's commercial you're getting your snack you're going to the restroom but then you hear like you know yes the dreaded music Uh uh-huh yes so yeah yep (laughs) this is very exciting thank you for being with us today I think you are my weakest claim to fame it's like well (laughs) Carmen's from Utah and I'm from Utah Yes. (laughs) But beyond all of that, that is all really exciting. It's a lot of fun. I wanted to have Carmen on the podcast because at a very young age, Carmen, you experienced something that most of us only dream of happening to us. And with this defining one in a million experience, you felt pressures from every angle. It wasn't just your voice that was being judged. It was like hair, makeup, what you wore, your personality. Yeah. And I think least of these, I'm sure was your faith. You had pressure, as we say, of the world to be of the world. And I can only imagine the pull to be someone other than a member of the church of Jesus Christ. So I just, I want to turn the time over to you now. I want to hear, take us back to American Idol. What were some of these experiences that you had that tested who am I? And, And what were those moments? Take us back. Ryan Seacrest, Simon Cowell, the whole bit. Oh man. Well, we could talk for hours about it, but this was honestly one of the most defining moments in my life. It's like I, I life before American Idol life after American Idol. And then American Idol was its own 
it was its own world. It was its own life in and of itself, completely different from the one that I had led before and changed everything about how I lived my life after. So before American Idol, I'm a young woman and, um, I'm, you know, 17 years old and had grew up in bountiful Utah. Most of my friends, if not all of them were members of the church, or at least knew everything about the Mm -hmm. church. Right. So my dad used to tell me, you know, you never know when your faith and values are going to be tested. And that's why the little things are so important every day, reading your scriptures, going to young women's every Wednesday night, um, wearing modest clothes, making sure you don't go to parties where there's drinking or drugs. And I'm like, I've never even (laughs) seen alcohol. Like I couldn't even tell you what, like I could tell you what maybe cigarette smoke smelled like, because, you know, back in the olden days, they had like the smoking and non-smoking sections of restaurants. Right. right. (laughs) So it was that, like, that's the only thing I could tell you about like drugs or alcohol is that, okay. I know that, you know, there's like cigarettes. I couldn't tell you the brand names. I mean, (laughs) I, I was so naive. I did not know anything. So I'm like, when am I ever going to be in a situation where my values are put to the test? Like after I graduate high school, I, I, this was my senior year and I was planning on attending BYU. I had already been accepted to BYU. And so I'm like, I'm going from safe, bountiful Utah to very safe Provo, Utah (laughs) and in the same environment, same type of, I'm going to be around the same type of people. So I honestly thought my dad was just a little crazy. Like there's never going to be a situation where I'm going to have to be tested like that. But he said, every time you say your prayers and you read your scriptures, you go to young women's, you go to church, all your meetings, you don't leave early, you stay. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is again, back in the olden days where there's three hours of church. And so we had Sunday school and then young women's. And he said, all those things are just filling up your bucket. And you may have to drink from that bucket heavily someday. You may be, mm. you may have to, you may be in a situation where you won't be able to, to fill it as much and you'll need to actually drink from it and, and for it to sustain you. I love that. And so I did, I, every time I, I said my prayer, every time I, I went to young women's, it was, it was just like pouring a little bit more, pouring a little bit more into this bucket of faith and, and that I had and strengthening my testimony. And so I, received a call to try out for American Idol in October of 2002. So 20 years ago, 20 years it. ago, next month, <laughs> how long it's been, which is insane to me. I was 17 years old and I'm 37. Now I was 17. And, um, I began going through the audition process and, um, went through 11 auditions counting the Salt Lake Idol, LA callbacks, wild card before I had actually made it onto the show. And we don't, and we don't see any of that, right? Like we see so few of those auditions. Yeah. Like, look, they're auditioning and they made it. They don't know that they have been through multiple rounds before. And so I, and and there were 72,000 kids that tried out my year and they're like, we're picking 12, (laughs) we're picking 12 people (laughs) and there's 72,000. Wow. So honestly, the chances of me making it, like I didn't really understand the odds and, and how miraculous this really was. And the odds of me making it were, I mean, astronomical. 
And so, in fact, when I signed my contract, we had to sign a big contract when we actually made the show, you know, like a privacy disclosure statement. And we wouldn't, you know, we weren't weren't allowed to talk to anyone outside of the show because we couldn't give any hints of who was going home because we recorded it earlier and all that kind of stuff. Um, It was live to the East Coast. And so anyway, um, the producer told my mom, he's like, do you realize the chances of your daughter making this were, it was a greater chance of her getting struck by lightning than actually making something like this. And my mom always said, I, it it is not to be famous. It is not to make money. I really feel like you, the reason heavenly father put you in this position is to be an example and share the gospel and talk about pressure for a 17 year old. Like everyone will be watching you. (laughs) Everyone's going to be watching what you're doing and what you're saying. Yeah. But honestly, Kim, what made the biggest difference for me is before when I was cut, I had this three month window before I was called back to be on the wild card show. And as soon as I was called back and I had the second shot, I was cut, um, during the top 72. So I'd made it, made it, made it through nine auditions. Mm -hmm. And then I was cut. And then I got a call to come back. And three months later, when the show had already been airing, they'd already picked the top eight to be on the wild card show. They're going to pick four more and make it a top 12. And I went in for a blessing, um, with my stake president and my mom's like, I just feel like she needs all the help she can get. Mm-hmm. And he gave me this beautiful blessing. And, um, he talked about being a friend of those that had standards that were different from my own and being able to stand strong in the midst of all of these, um, opportunities now that I had to really experience and do anything that I wanted that was contrary to the values and standards that I had and that I was taught growing up. Sure. And I said a prayer beforehand. I, I remember kneeling beside my parents' bed and saying the most heartfelt prayer I've ever said as a child. And it was just help me be with me. And I promise that, that if you'll help me and, and help me. And, and, and honestly, I'm like, help me make the show. Like it was, I really wanted to make, it was during the wild mm-hmm. card. So I hadn't, I wasn't chosen yet. I'm like, if, if this opportunity comes to me and if I can make the show and if I get chosen, then I promise that I will dress modestly and I won't try drugs and I won't swear. And I won't do all <laughs> these things if I make it. And, and then I did Simon Cowell ended up choosing me on the wild card show. Me, Clay Aiken, Trinice and Kim Caldwell were the four that they chose. Wow. And now I had this commitment and promise to live up to, but because I had already made the decision beforehand that I wasn't going to experiment with anything and that I was going to live what I knew, what I had been taught, it was, it honestly was almost easy to say no to everything. And, and, and and it was everything. It was, mm. it was everything. It was everything from drugs and alcohol. Literally. Do you want this? Like holding it out to me in my hand? Like, do you want to take a drink with us? Um, and I was only, you know, 17 turning 18, but they're like, it doesn't matter. You're on the show. We're not going to tell anyone your parents aren't here. It's okay Right. to, um, smoking marijuana. Um, they, there were drugs all that's the first time that I that I knew what drugs looked like and smelled like. I mean, they, they were, there was a lot of drug use and, um, and and then everything from, um, being offered money to pose for magazines with little or no clothing on, um, to, 
um, you know, boys like wanting to come back to my hotel room or like mm. all the things, like everything it talks about on the, for the strength of youth pamphlet, right. is, I, I was faced with, and, and that's why it was almost easy to say no to everything because I'm like, well, I've already made this decision. I've already decided not to. And because of that, I literally felt strength beyond my own to, mm. to say no. There were times when I'm looking back, I'm like, I was, uh, we went, especially on tour, we did 48 cities in 65 days. And I'm by myself staying with people. No one was a member of the church besides me. No sure. one had the same standards and values I did, although they respected and protected me because of that. But I was flying to New York one-on-one -on -one with managers and producers, men. I was checking into hotel rooms alone with men, not in the same hotel room, but into a hotel where they could have come to my, I mean, they knew where I was staying. I mean, I right. think about I, I, like we would, there were so many opportunities for me to be hurt or for someone to take mm -hmm. advantage of, of a small, totally naive, trusting 18 year old girl. Right. And, and it didn't happen. And I, and I truly feel like, well, I know that I had heavenly power and protection and it was from the little things, those things my dad taught me of living my values and standards to a T. And, and when people are like, well, why is it a big deal to dress modestly? Or why is it a big deal? Like, who cares if you try one sip of this or date before you're 16 or the little things, it was the little things that saved my life. Mm. That's wonderful. Thank you. You know, a couple of things stand out from what you talked about. The first being, you know, those spiritually defining memories. I think that other Christofferson talked about and, or Anderson, I'll check that. <laughs> I'll check that. And he talks about how crucial those spiritually defining moments, but it sounds like you had a storehouse of them. Your father had been preparing you yeah. to have that built up so you could draw upon it. And I have memories and, and we always ask our guests on the show, what was that spiritually defining memory that you had that during this crisis of faith or this trial, or this, in your experience, like this introduction to so many new things that helped you stay resilient. And it yes. sounds like you had that preparation and that again, this is just a reminder. Don't forget your spiritually defining memories. They're important. Write them down and know them yeah. like you build your storehouse. I love yes. that. I love that. That's a and my husband, he, he calls them bookmark moments. And he's like, there's going to be times in your life where you'll have very powerful defining moments in your life. And he's, and he calls them bookmark moments. And he's like, put a bookmark in that. So when you are tested because it, it's not just oh, saying tried you one time and you did it, you passed it's mm -hmm. over and over throughout your life. And in different ways, he gets really smart and he's like, well, if I can't get you this way, if, if I can't get you to, to do drugs or dress them up, whatever, I'm going to get you in self-confidence. I'm going to get you in purpose. I'm going to get you in, in motherhood later on and postpartum. Like I'm going to get you in so many other ways. And, and he, he gets smart. And, and so, oh, it's yeah. Cunning, to have those. yeah, yeah. And to look back. Yeah. Um, then, go ahead. Oh, well, it, it, and as far as like a, a, a moment, it, that prayer, um, set me up for success when mm -hmm. I was in Hollywood and living in a life that was just completely different from Bountiful, Utah to Los Angeles, California, like Hollywood. I mean, in the heart of, I'm, we're walking the red carpet and we're on TV and all like, it was just night and day different 
steps from, mm-hmm. from where I was. And suddenly I'm in that environment that my dad said, you never know. And I'm like, here I am <laughs> and like polar opposite. Yeah. From Utah. And so, but, but the most, but the most defining moment for me was when I was out on tour and it was, I was in we um, Minnesota and our, that's where our opening show was. We were in Minneapolis and, um, we were rehearsing and I went back to my hotel room. We had opening night, a few nights, um, in a few nights. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of loneliness come over me. And I'm like, I'm about to be by myself for the entire summer from June to August. And I didn't really have a senior year. American Idol was, you know, from January to April. And so, Um, I, but my mom was still came out every week and saw me. So this was the first time that I was going to truly be all on my own traveling the country by myself. And I was like, I, I, I need to know if heavenly father is really there. I mean, I, I, I had all these beautiful experiences where I, I did feel protection and I felt like he answered my prayers, but I just had this moment of, I don't need, maybe it was just luck. Like maybe it was just you know, people respected me because of what I told them. And maybe these prayers I had, it was just coincidences, you know, like it was this, Mm -hmm. I need to know that I am not alone. I need to know because I am about ready to do something really hard and, um, and be tested even more than I have been. And by myself without my parents checking in on me and being able to fly out and see me whenever, and, and I knelt down in my hotel room and same thing. I, I said a prayer and I was like, I just need to know if you can hear me. Like, are, just tell me that, that you're real and that you love me and that you, you can hear me. I, I need to just know, like, it wasn't about the book of Mormon. It wasn't about the church. It was about God himself. Is there a God? I, I have to know and not just have faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the most beautiful spiritual experience that confirmed that for me. And the closest thing I can describe it as is in the doctrine and covenants sections, eight, nine, and 11, it talks about, um, being able to make decisions and that you'll know in your mind and in your heart and that your bosom will burn within you. And, um, you know, sometimes apostles and prophets say, um, it's not always a burning. Sometimes it's a happy feeling or it's, this was a literal bosom in, on fire, like right. just the warm, like someone pouring warm bath water over my head, nothing that I could have come up with on my own or make myself feel on my own. It was a feeling that I will never forget. And mm. it was like, almost as if I was being surrounded by heavenly love and, and mm. lifted up, like the room was bright. Like it was, it was amazing. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like what, what greater witness can I have? Okay. <laughs> And so that, that love, that feeling of, of comfort and love, um, sustained me through those next couple months and really years after too was kind of a defining, wow. oh, I, every time I was like, I'd hear something weird about church history or something odd about someone would say something. Well, this is why I know the church isn't true. I would go back to that moment and say, but how would you explain this? Right. I can't. And I, I can't deny that. And so mm. I would, this was the bookmark moment that I have gone back to throughout my life of this was, this was something that I can't deny. 
Oh, those are beautiful examples of prayer and just asking God. I love that. And I, I think what you described is the immediate goodness of God. Yeah. Sometimes a prayer isn't going to be answered right away, but there's always the immediate goodness of God. Yes. And I think too, when I'm hearing you talk, I, I love this concept that I think that you had been, maybe you didn't know it, but you were preparing your spiritual storehouse. Like we talked about, but yeah you are putting yourself in a position so that God could utilize your faith so that he could put you in a position to bless the lives of others. My husband and I had a prayer. I think it was back in like 2019. And we were just like, we want to, we want to help the Lord. We want to work in his vineyard. And we just had this pure and honest prayer that was like, God, where do you need us? And the next three years of our lives were some of the most difficult years of our lives, but it was preparing (laughs) us for callings that we have now and for experiences and and preparing me for this podcast. And I just thought, I will never forget that prayer. It was sacred to me because I was letting the Lord know, I want to be an instrument in your hands. And that's what I hear from you when I hear these beautiful prayers. You say, Lord, I want to do what you need me to do. I want to let you prevail, right? I want to be where you need me. And I think that's beautiful. And that's a great invitation to our listeners. When was the last time that you prayed and to ask God, like, where do you need me? And with just pure humility. Yeah. And and it's like President Nelson's invitation, you know, seek and expect miracles in your lives. Yes. I would add on to that. Ask God, what miracles do you need me to be a part of? How can I help be an instrument? in those miracles, right? Yeah. I love your story, Carmen. Those are well, beautiful. I love what you said, Kim, that you said you asked heavenly father to, to use you. And then, and then it got hard and, mm. and he said, okay, then I'm going, then I'm going to strengthen you. And yeah. one of the ways he strengthens us is, is through trials yeah. and, and through suffering sometimes and sacrifice. And it's not just perfect that I'm going to make everything easy. Sometimes it's awesome. It's going to get hard (laughs) and you're going to have to, to, to be really strong and prove your strength. And, but that's not a bad thing. That's not him being mean. It's him. It's him making us, um, you know, capable and, and, um, what's the the right word? It's the refiner's fire. It's the refiner's fire. Yes. Yep. And he said, I'm going to make you equal to your task uh, oh, ahead of yes. you if you want to do that. Yes. And, and he does have such, he does want us to be examples and, and to help others come under Christ. Like I, that's all that this life is about. And so if you ask him, how can you use me? He will, and he wants to, and wow, like yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's an honor and a sacred privilege to be able to have heavenly father trust you and, and trust you with moving his work forward. Oh, there's no greater feeling. And there's no, I mean, I think parents can relate to this Yeah, it, that it's like, you want to utilize your day, but you just feel like time is slipping away. Yes. And it's like, what am I not getting done today? But when you everything, have, yeah, <laughs> everything on my to-do list, but everything not on my to-do list. Yes. But when you have just one moment where you feel the spirit or you have a prompting and, and you act on it, I just think that's all I needed to do today. Yeah. Right? That's, that's where he needed me. And that, that just makes me feel fulfilled. Yeah. Which I love. Yep. So Carmen, then this kind of transitions into another big question that I have for you. It's like your experience was so 
unique and so one in a million, but thanks to social media, (laughs) I think all of us to a small degree feel this pressure from the world, from whether it's influencers, whether it's uh, movie stars, actresses, you know, singers to just be someone that we're not or Mm -hmm. to be, you know, perfect. And I'm just wondering, what would you say? What would you say to us who are feeling that way to help navigate these feelings of pressure? Of trying to, of, of trying to be like the world or, or be someone that you aren't specifically. Yes. Yes. How do you stay resilient and not let these pressures take over your life into depression, into not feeling worth it? You know, well, we are not supposed to be like the rest of the world. We were made to stand out. We're Mm -hmm. not supposed to dress like everyone else. We're not supposed to talk like anyone else, use the same language. We're not supposed to eat and drink the same things as everyone else. We're not supposed to do things that everyone else does. Mm. We're not supposed to. And so I just had a conversation with my niece a little while ago. She was asked to homecoming by three different sweet boys and she's not 16 yet. And she's like, Mm. I'm not going to go. And she's like, but it's really hard because all my friends are going and they're 15. And does, does that age really matter? And I don't know, I, I honestly, like it, I've heard rumors of maybe the for the strength of youth pamphlet will change and it, it, it'll just right. be when you feel ready to date. But as of right now, as of September 6, <laughs> 2022, the, it, 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 that stands do wait until you're 16 to date that standard stands. And, and she, I said, you're supposed to stand out. People are, she's like, but people are looking at me. I'm the only one. I'm like, yeah. You might be, and you're supposed to be, you're, you're supposed to stand out. So people can look up to you and say, you're different. You made a different choice. And, and, and you don't wear the sports bras. When you go to cheer, you wear a full shirt and you don't, you know, for me, it was, how come you never swear when like things would go bad on, and I get really bad comments and, you know, people come backstage and just curse. And they're like, I don't think I've ever heard you curse. I wish I could say that was still the case. And then I had children. Sometimes they're a different story. Let it be known that kids are more difficult than American Idol. Oh, <laughs> kids are so much more. Sometimes some of the Bible swear words have, have come out just a little, <laughs> only the ones in the Bible. But for real, it's, it's, uh, they're like, you talk different, you act different, you look different, and we're supposed to. And so I would say to, and, and I'm not, I struggle with this all the time and thank heavens. There was no social media when I was on America. It was my space. Facebook wasn't really big yet. Instagram was not a thing because I cannot even imagine a 17 year old me dealing with those pressures on top of everything else. And so it, but for, I have to remind myself this all the time and be like, we're not, we're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. And we're not supposed to be exactly the same as as someone else, like we each have heavenly father has given us different talents and he wants us to use them in the way that only we can to help spread mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he wants us, um, to be so different that we forget the point of the gospel or, and, and the point, like, I do think there is something so beautiful that the gospel is unifying. You can go anywhere in the world and we do have the same values and standards and beliefs and life experience may be different and we may each struggle with different things, but there's this unit, there's this unity that ties us together. And, and, and in my honest opinion, I feel like 
sometimes there's a tendency to move away from that and to be different for the sake of just being different. Yeah. And yet I feel like heavenly father wants us to be unified, but also use our talents and, and the different gifts he's given us to, to stand out for good for the church, not mm-hmm. to be like, I don't want to be like anyone else. I'm going to be the one that swears in the church. I'm going to be the one that, you know, that's not what he wants, <laughs> right. like, but, right. but that we, but that he can, he really can take you and everything that he's given you and help you be a force for good. And if that means that you stand out in every other way, that that good, like mm. stand out for good stand, don't, don't stand out because you know, you're stand out for the good things in, yeah. in the world. And, and if you're different because of them, yep. In the scriptures, it, we are peculiar people. Like we've it's been <laughs> talked about, it's been prophesied. Yeah. We're supposed to be, it's well, a good and thing. You know what? When I hear you say that, I'm like, we're in good company. We're in the company yeah. of Jesus Christ who stood out yes. the most, right? Yes. You're suffering, you're feeling alone and, and hopefully not alone in the way that the adversary wants us to, but like unique in our, in our beliefs, but yeah. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of um, the beautiful talk by Elder Holland, song, sung and unsung. Oh, that is one of my favorites. Yes. And he's, he's talking about this choir that we're all supposed to join, right? Which is the unifying feeling of the gospel of Jesus yes. Christ. But we're, some of us are baritone. Some of us, you know, I'm trying to throw out there like song lingo and I'm talking to him. You're no, you're like, totally <laughs> alto soprano. You're nailing it. Perfect. That's exactly right. <laughs> baritone was as far as I could get. So (laughs) (laughs) you nailed it. Yes. We all have different parts, Yes, but we all sing together. There's this quote that I love to share. And he says, when we disparage our uniqueness or try to conform to the fictitious stereotypes, stereotypes driven by an insatiable consumer culture and idealized beyond any possible realization by social media, we lose the richness of tone and timber that God intended when he created a world of diversity. I love that's what that you just so described. Much. That's what you just described. I love that. That is such a beautiful quote. I love that. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I, this, this word insatiable has always stayed with me from his quote, because I feel like when we try to conform, when we keep up with the Joneses, it's these are insatiable desires. And that's it's why it true. leads to depression. That's why it leads to loneliness. It's it, we can't keep up with it. Right. It's no, and it, but, and it's empty. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fill us up. It's always empty. And one of my very favorite paintings, I talk about it all the time. And I've talked about it on so many different podcasts, but it's my most favorite one is, um, Minerva, um, and is Minerva and I always get her last name wrong. Taggart, Tabert. Um, she's an incredible, I'm going to look it up right now as we're talking yes. because I want to get her name, right. Great. Um, but it's of the great and spacious building and, and the iron rod mm. and, um, she, oh, Minerva. Okay. It's T E I C H E R T. Okay. Tyker, 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 Minerva Tacker. Anyway, she has the most, be- it's, it's the most beautiful picture and it's, it's of the iron rod in the great and spacious building. And you look at the great and spacious building. That's so beautiful. And, 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 and it looks very, so desirable. Like, oh, that looks like where I want to be. And that's where everyone is. Mm-hmm. And there's like these sm- small, sweet, humble people holding onto the rod, but that's where the party is at, at the great and spacious building. And the windows, you can see through to the sky on the other side. 
um, and depicting there's nothing in that house. You get there and it's empty. There's mm. nothing for you. There's no foundation. You can see it's floating like on the water. There's no foundation and the house is empty. And that's what I think about when I think about social media and how oh, I really want this. There's nothing there for you. That the house is empty. There's it, it will not fill you up because it can't, there's, they, there's nothing there to offer you. What Christ offers you, um, is so much more fulfilling and stays with you and does fill you up. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus Christ is literally referred to as food, the bread of life mm-hmm. and living water. It literally fills you and satisfies you and sustains you. Whereas those things of the world do not and cannot. Hmm. I love that. And moving forward in your life after American Idol, how did these experiences change your faith in your relationship with God? I mean, you already had such conviction, but moving forward, I mean, how did, how did that relationship change after these prayers, after these experiences, after temptations, how did it change? It, it solidified, um, my faith in Jesus Christ and heavenly father and my love for and an absolute devotion to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, and mm-hmm. my membership in his church. It, it completely solidified it because I literally saw and experienced miracles when I chose to trust him and live those, the little things in the gospel, live, live all the little, the little things. Mm-hmm. And so you know, when, when opportunities have come up since then to maybe, um, loosen my values or not be so rigid about certain things, little things, like little things that even as a mom, I'm like, I can't believe I'm still faced with this. Like, I can't believe I'm still (laughs) being tempted with this. And, and from, you know, wearing, you know, workout clothes all day and not putting my garments on, you know, to like multiple piercings. And like, it's just like little things that you think that's not a big deal. But I have just learned through my life that no, the little things are the big things. They are a big deal. And that I have seen incredible, I mean, miraculous blessings when I have chosen to follow like, you know, exactly the standards of the gospel. And president Nelson said, obedience brings blessings exact obedience brings miracles. And I've seen that in my life, exact obedience, Mm. bringing miracles. And and that's the thing is you're not forced to do anything. Like heavenly father won't force us to have exact obedience, but do you want blessings or miracles in your life? Like maybe right now you're like, I'm cool with the blessings for me. (laughs) Like I, I need miracles. Like there, there are things that I've been through and I'm going through my life where I'm like, I need Mm. a miracle to happen. I, and, and, and it's, it's not just, that's such a nice thought. Oh, that's so sweet. That exact obedience brings miracles, like the miracle of love. And the, and I'm not discounting that, but no actual miracles, mm. actual things that you'll be like, there's no way I could have done this on my own. There's yeah. no way this situation could have worked out exactly for my good in this exact way, but it does. And, and heavenly father's like, I'm ready like you said, expect me, like, I'm ready to give them to you. Yeah. What are you willing to do for me? So you can accept that in your life and whatever it is, it's worth it. I promise you that. Well, and once you get a taste of it, if you just try it to our listeners, just try it, try the exact obedience, seek and expect a miracle. And once you get a taste of it, 
you will never want anything different. You won't be okay with just blessings. You you just will expect the miracles. Yeah. Yes. Because the peace and the joy that he gives, he says, it's, it's not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Mm -hmm. It's, it is different and it's so much richer and fuller and more fulfilling. And, but I think that's, what's hard though, Kim too, is Satan is so tricky and so smart that he's able to mimic every emotion, but peace and joy. Those are gifts from Jesus Christ that only he can give us, but he can mm-hmm. mimic happiness and pleasure mm-hmm. and, and, and excitement, which is why, which is why people sin. Because if, if it was all bad and horrible and terrible, no one would ever sin. Cause it'd right. be like, I feel like crap when I do that, which yes. you do eventually. But, but in the meantime, he can trick you into thinking I've never been happier. Mm. I've never felt more pleasure. I've, I've never been more excited about my life. All those emotions, Satan can twist and counterfeit them, but he cannot mimic peace and he cannot mimic joy. And those two things can come even in your darkest, most difficult times of trial that you can still have peace and joy when you're experiencing death and unemployment and sickness and all these horrible things, because those are gifts from Jesus Christ. And so it's, if people are like, yeah, but when I have done these things, I have felt happy or when I have lived this way, but have you felt peace, like the true peace that surpasseth understanding and and true joy. And and, and I would dare to say no, because Mm -hmm. those things can only come as, as gifts from our savior, when you are living in accordance with his plan. And when you have the constant companionship of the Holy ghost, and that's, I know that's a very bold statement to make, but, but I stand by it. I love it. And you know what? Go back and re-listen to that. Everyone. So well said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think a theme of this conversation, we've, we've been talking about the simple things. These simple things are still so important. We're still teaching them to our kids after we learn them, but you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. It is these simple, pure truths have been restored. So let's not overcomplicate it. Let's live these simple things and, and find that joy and peace that you're talking about. Wow. So well said, Carmen. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. I would like to end with, we ask all of our guests, which I'll now ask to you our final question, which is Carmen, why are you still rowing and choosing faith in Jesus Christ and his restored church? Because I have seen the alternative. I I have seen the alternative to being stagnant and choosing not to pick up my oars and row. I've seen the alternative of jumping ship altogether and deciding that I'm I'm not even going to stay in the boat. And and I've I've seen it with with dear friends of mine and family members um that have chosen to to set their oars down or to jump ship altogether. And I don't, I don't want that alternative lifestyle. I don't want it. I know what it's like. I, 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 I know what it's like, what the world has to offer me because Mm. I was offered it (laughs) as a 17 year old. And, and, and I don't want it. I don't want that alternative. There's nothing fulfilling for me there. So come what may, whatever turbulent, waters are ahead. I will keep rowing, whatever that means, because I've seen what it's like to do this life without Jesus Christ. And, 
and, and I don't want that. And, and I can't afford that. And I can't afford not to teach my children that. And so that's, that's why I'm, I'm still rowing and choosing to stay, um, in the old ship Zion, um, (laughs) because, because who, like the apostle said to Jesus Christ, to whom, to whom would I go? Who, who else can offer me that life? To whom would I go? There, there is no one for me. So Mm -hmm. I am, I, I am, um, I, I'm someone that will stay in the boat and use my spiritual muscles, um, until I get to that other side until I get to the shore and get to meet my savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Carmen, you are a fierce advocate of Jesus Christ and your conviction is so strong. Thank you for sharing your beautiful story and your faith and testimony with us today. We have been richly blessed. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on here. Yeah. And to our friends, thanks for being with us until next time. For listening to this episode of Still Rowing, a High Five Live podcast. For updates on episode releases and additional motivation and resources, you can find us on Facebook at High Five Live. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a positive review on your podcast app and like us on the High Five Live Facebook page to help us spread the word. Thanks for listening.